are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN's fantasy football director. With me, as always, is PFN fantasy analyst Tommy Garrett, also known as Tommy. And joining us today, as always, PFN fantasy analyst Jason Katz, also known as Katz. We're going to talk about Sunday, week 11, what happened with the injuries, how will that impact for example, Thanksgiving's games, because a lot of us are focused on Thanksgiving. Six teams, three games. Thank goodness it's six teams and three games and not like six teams and two games, because then we'd have to spend 30 minutes trying to make sense of why three teams are playing each other. Let's start with Justin Fields. His injury, Tommy, looking at you, didn't seem to have a material impact on the game unless you consider the fact that the Bears offense started moving when Andy Dalton took over, which was not something that I would have expected after uh, Fields seemed to take over the quarterback position. He is the quarterback of the future. They invested, uh, what, the second or third overall pick on him. He is the guy, and yet he gets hurt, rib injury. Is If Dalton starts on Thursday, or if Fields starts, does that have any impact on how you view the Bears' offensive fantasy production on Thursday night, Thursday morning? Uh, it's the interesting thing is when you have a game like this where a quarterback change a quarterback change happens mid-game is the entire week the team the defensive team has spent the entire week trying to develop a game plan for this specific person. That specific person could not be in a bigger contrast to Andy Dalton. Like Justin Fields is a dynamic, mobile, big arm quarterback. Andy Dalton is a pocket passer who is going to most of the time try to dink and dunk. And then he will take a couple different shots. Like we saw him had a couple of good shots to uh, Darnell Mooney, things like that. Um, and look, Darnell Mooney looked like a guy who could be a wide receiver one, which we all kind of thought he could be. Uh, and he stepped up with Allen Robinson uh, out for the week. So it's, I don't know how much the offense changes. Uh, I think all of us is still kind of hamstrung by Matt Nagy and what goes on with this team. Granted, the, the matchup is great. They have on, on, uh, on Thanksgiving with the Detroit Lions. So I think they can play well. Um, whether or not it's Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, I don't think necessarily it matters. It just comes down to can they actually get it together for any certain week? And it's the lack of consistency and the lack of the passing volume is arguably the biggest detriment to this team, not just the quarterback play. Yeah. And I, I, I'll i throw in also, I was surprised. David Montgomery, uh, only 14 carries. He had 13 the week before. I realized the week before he was coming off, you know, a five-week injury. So it was understandable. But uh, there's been a history, a brief history with David Montgomery, and I've written about this a lot over the years of being underutilized, that he's one of those guys who should be getting 20 touches a game. He's an offensive centerpiece. He's a dangerous pass catcher. And it seems that he's uh, hamstrung hamstrung in his two games back, even though he's running well. And I wonder, is David Montgomery a must start, despite the fact that he's been slow to pick back up these last two weeks? against Detroit, or do you think this could be more of the same on Thursday with Montgomery getting 14, 15 touches, and you hope he scores, otherwise he's not worth it? I mean, you you hit the nail on the head with Dave Montgomery being slow. You just, just shouldn't stop there, because he's just slow. Uh, I, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit here. I don't think Dave Montgomery is all that talented. I've always thought he was replacement level slightly above that. Wait, uh, but don't you remember that graphic that came out that compared him to every single great running back ever? <laughs> I, I remember that. Yes, I think it was. Uh, he compared him. He was a combination of Le'Veon Bell and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley and I think Damian Harris might have been a part of it. Or Sony. No, Sony, it was Sony. Sony it was Sony Michelle. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I was never a fan Dave of Montgomery. Montgomery produced the, uh, uh, was this someone related to Dave Montgomery? Because I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm a big Dave Montgomery fan on and off the field. I think he is, I think he is a, an RB one in fantasy if he's used the way, for example, he was used. What was it last year? Uh, uh, but, but push back, cats. Your, what's your take? Do you think Khalil Herbert has a claim? If Montgomery continues to, you know, get 14, 15 touches, that maybe we could see more Herbert and less of of Montgomery. No, there is absolutely no chance we see any relevant Khalil Herbert or anyone else while Dave Montgomery is healthy. Certain teams make it clear with their starting running back that this is our guy. And the only way anyone else gets any burn is if this guy is not healthy. We see that with the Vikings, with Alexander Madison is the backup. We see with the Cowboys, with Tony Pollard, they use him a little more. And we see it with like the Browns, with Dearness Johnson. With Khalil Herbert, he's purely just the guy that comes in when Montgomery is tired. Montgomery actually played a season high 95% of the snaps this past week. I believe Herbert is a better running back than David Montgomery all around. I would rather have Khalil Herbert on my team in, in real life. But the Bears don't think that. And for fantasy, all we care about is what the Bears think because they're the ones that are putting the players in the field that score us fantasy points. Right. Um, well said. This week against the Lions, it's a great matchup, and I think Montgomery's going to be just fine. Good, but and you will still stand by what you said. And you, like two things can be true: you can say someone is overrated, and they're going to have a good game. That's your take. I've been saying for two years now that Tony Pollard is a better running back than Ezekiel Elliott, and that doesn't matter for fantasy because the Cowboys don't think that. And I, the guy on the field is the one that we need. And I think Pollard is top four, top five in uh, yards per carry on the season for anyone who's. Uh, had more than like 30 rushes. So uh, to your point, Pollard's been uh, terrific this year uh, and last year. Uh, moving over to the other side of the field, the Lions, we saw Jared Goff sit with an oblique injury. Uh, um, going back to Tommy on this one, uh, we see Tim Boyle come in. I was completely wrong. I'm like, oh, the Browns are going to roll over the Lions. Uh, this is going to be a, a disaster. Uh, not because I don't think Tim Boyle belongs in the NFL. Clearly he does. And at the same time, what an awful first start to your NFL career. You're 27, you're thrown into this position, and you're in Cleveland, which is, that is a tough environment. That is a tough team to play on the road. And somehow he almost led them to victory. Uh, and uh, and led to victory is unfair because Dondre Swift almost led them to victory. But I guess the takeaway is, if Goff can't play, what kind of, do you think that Tim Boyle can improve against Chicago, or do you think that we saw the best of Tim Boyle and this passing game on Sunday? If 77 yards, no touchdowns, and two interceptions is the best that it gets for him, like, I'm sorry, what are you doing here anymore in the NFL? Like, I would certainly hope there's some room for improvement. Um, Like, if he would have pulled out this win, there is no greater, like, statement to say wins are not a QB stat, which Trey Wingo loves to go on about, like, that was just not a good game. And like you said, this was a brutal matchup going up against Cleveland, who is – they're not the team that we all kind of thought they would be at the beginning of the season where they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. Um, but the defense is still solid. You've still got Miles Garrett coming after you. So, I mean, it was – he was going to struggle, but I don't think we thought he was going to struggle this bad. Like I said, without DeAndre Swift in this game, this would have been absolute just blowout. And I don't think the score is reflective of how this game actually ended up looking. Um if Boyle comes out there and plays again next week, then I mean on Thursday, and then we'll see what he does. I would hope it can only be better. 
but I mean, even if we get David Blau again for Thanksgiving, it's mm. I don't think it's going to be great one way or another. Like outside of TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, I kind of don't want right. anything to do with this offense. I don't think it matters who the name is on the back of the jersey at quarterback. And I think David Blau benefited from Kenny Galladay. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, you take Kenny Galladay out of the equation and it's there is no one besides Hawkinson who can bail you out in the receiver side. And we saw that actually on Sunday. We saw Hawkinson absorb pretty much all the yards. I think Hawkinson had about 80 percent of the yardage uh, of uh, for uh, Boyle. Yeah, Hawkinson um, had uh, six receptions for 51 yards. The next closest person was Amon Ross St. Brown with 18 yards receiving. Yeah, so it's a, it was a, and the next one was probably negative three because uh, I think somebody had negative or, or one. Or, <laughs> so it's it's a it's a it's a tough. Uh, it, it will be a tough situation, and it, it, I'm really fascinated by the way. Just a, a little angle here, Jamal Williams. He's averaging only one less carry per game than Josh Jacobs, which sounds bizarre. Uh, but Jamal Williams is not someone who I've ever hitched my wagon to in fantasy. I've always been on the Aaron Jones train when they were going head to head. I didn't buy into the hype when Jamal Williams was the number three running back with eight receptions in week one. But there is this sense that Williams has now swung to the other side of the pendulum. And we'll get to that more uh, uh, on uh, the next podcast. But just something to keep in mind for you folks at home, something has to happen in Detroit. They can't keep trotting out DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson and expecting to do anything different. There has to be a third option. They have to get somebody else involved. They have to figure out how to do it. And I think they will, um, even if it's just 10 fantasy points. Uh, moving uh, to Cats, uh, Alvin Kamara uh, out for this past week. Mark Ingram uh, did a great Alvin Kamara impression. And before that, Alvin Kamara did a great Mark Ingram impression by taking over that backfield a few years ago. Uh, and uh, I was shocked. Uh, I'm going to keep saying that on this podcast. I, I see these guys step up, and I thought Mark Ingram was almost 32 years old. By the time some of you were listening to this, he will be 32 years old. I, I thought he would be a step uh, slow, to say the least. Uh, he looked like he was still in his prime. Uh, do you think New Orleans plays it safe Thursday with Alvin Kamara? If they do, is Ingram a must-start? Uh, and if Kamara comes back, is there any reason for someone to start Ingram cats. What do you think? I said, um, I think I said on the podcast last week and even two weeks ago when Kamara first, we first heard about the Kamara injury that I expected it to be a two to three week in absence for Kamara. And again, we didn't see any reports of this. This is just my understanding of how of injuries and having played this game a long time. Uh, it looks like it's going to be on the three week side of that with the saints playing Thursday. It seems prudent for this team to hold Kamara out one more week don't force him back with just three days between Sunday and Thursday. Let him let him rest. He'll come back in week 13. While Kamara is out, Ingram is a must start, purely based on volume. Uh, the thing about what you said about Ingram looking like he's in his prime, that's because Ingram, for as good as he's been in fantasy and as productive as he's been, he's never been all that talented. He was never a special player. He had always had a knack for just overperforming his athleticism. I, I would say I would give him credit for this by saying he's just good at football. That's just what he's been doing his entire mm -hmm. career because he never should have been as productive and as good as he was. So credit to him for a tremendous career. He's still I mean, doing he's it. A at winner. Yeah, he's, he's a, a he's a he's a pretty versatile back uh, who who played in a high powered offense. But he you know, there are a lot of running backs who play in high powered offenses and and founder. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's been good enough to produce in the situations and he's produced well. I'm, I'm not trying to discredit him at all. Ingram's been, Ingram's been very good. 
while Kamara's out, he looks just fine. Ingram's yeah. getting last week, 24 opportunities. Week before that, 21 opportunities. He is getting more volume than Kamara was before Ingram got there. And at this point, we, we need to treat Ingram as a high-end RB2 at worst whenever Kamara's out. And even when Kamara comes back, Ingram should still have RB3 value. Uh, very good. And Tommy, just digging in on the Saints a little bit deeper, uh, they've lost three straight games. That loss to the Falcons started this three-game losing streak. That loss to the Falcons um, where they came back and then lost it at the end on that big Cordero Patterson catch yeah. that put him in field goal range. Um, the, the Saints team was, it seemed, they seemed to be, they came off this high of going to five and two, beating the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jameis Winston went out, Trevor Simeon came in. Uh, then they lose three straight. And now they're staring at the Bills on Thanksgiving. Then the Cowboys, they could realistically be five and seven. And then they have the Bucks two weeks later. My very candid question for you is, is Kamara a risk in the fantasy playoffs? If the Saints are out of it, if they are six and eight, heading into championship week for, you know, or semifinal week, week 16 for most teams. Do the Saints, I know you like to say, no, these guys play it out. They play out their, you know, they play out their season. Of course they do. But let's be real. You know what I'm going for. What do you think? Should fantasy managers be worried right now? Uh, I think it's an interesting topic. Um, It's, you have, I think if they didn't have Mark Ingram, I wouldn't be concerned about it because you you know it's going to be the Alvin Kamara show and only him. Uh, but when you do have another solid running back behind Alvin Kamara, they could opt to want to give uh, a little more of a split uh, once he comes back. I think that the biggest part of me for like, I've got to get to the championship first. And then it's, okay, what do we do now? Like, And Kamara is a guy who gets you to the championship. Um, cause I mean, even if they're winning games, they're down in games, we know he's going to be involved, whether it's in the pass game or the running game. Um, so I think it's, I don't mind, I don't, I get what you're saying, but it's, I also look at the matchup. Like once I get in there, I've got Miami uh, in week 16, then I've got Carolina, right. then Atlanta in week 18. If you have a, a week 18 championship, which right. I'm sorry, I'll go you ahead and say this now. We'll, we'll talk about this later on. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those words. I'm not necessarily trying to move him or anything, especially with a trade deadline coming up, which is. Uh, I think either this week or next week for a lot of, a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's a guy who I think can get me there. And once he's there, it's kind of almost, you know, kind of stay with the person who brought you to the dance. It's one of those. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. There's a, there's a time to think, and then there's a time to not overthink. And I think I, I don't uh, want to get too cute, especially yeah. with a star. And yeah. like with Al Kamara's like, he's a star and I don't want to get too cute with. Yeah. It's kind of like people who got too cute uh, and maybe traded Jonathan Taylor when he seemed to peak heading into two tough games, starting with the Bills, and then we see what Jonathan Taylor does. And it's like, well, you know, gr- great running backs are going to get their points, and you you, you want to you fight through it. You don't just sell high because someone's doing really well. If they're still going to do If anyone well, pulled off a trade for Jonathan Taylor or to trade away Jonathan Taylor, I would love to know what you got because that had to be a – league yeah. altering trade for how much that cost well it's just like six weeks ago with derrick henry or five weeks ago it's the same kind of like why would anyone do this kind of move uh and i'm with you i i would love to know the type of collateral so it's a wayne gretzky kind of haul for those of you who remember the uh great uh trade in 1988 anyway uh, i was in canada when that happened actually i felt very close to the trade um mm-hmm. moving to the cowboys 
Uh, CD Lamb, one of my three players who was knocked out of yesterday's game, uh, and I'm not upset about it because these things happen. When the mic turns off, I'll go back to crying. But for now, I'm going to put on a brave face and say, yeah, CD Lamb uh, did not do uh, what many fantasy managers wanted. He got concussed. Uh, it stinks for him. It stinks for Dallas. Uh, he probably won't play Thursday. It is a long shot at best. And Amari mm-hmm. Cooper is on the COVID list. So this has obviously huge ramifications. Uh, the Cowboys were embarrassed for the second time in three uh, games. Uh, couldn't get anything going, even without Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. You'd think they would still generate more than nine points of offense. So my question, starting with you, Cats, uh, CeeDee Lamb's injury, uh, uh, is uh, is Michael Gallup a must start? Is Cedric Wilson a must stream? Or am I overreacting to the news? And is Dallas in a little more trouble on Thanksgiving than I'm giving them credit for? CeeDee Lamb has to go through the concussion protocol. He's only got three days to clear it. It has happened before. It's not entirely unprecedented. I do remember maybe three, four years ago, something like that. I think Devontae Adams was concussed on a Sunday and then played on a Thursday. So it's not impossible, but it's extremely unlikely. We should be operating under the assumption that the Cowboys are without CeeDee Lamb on Thursday. We know they're already without Amari Cooper. That puts Michael Gallup as the wide receiver one and Cedric Wilson as the wide receiver two. The Cowboys have shown an ability to bounce back after they have a rough week. And I'm very confident in the coaches to review what happened on this past Sunday and they're going to come out firing on Thursday. I think we're going to get a very inspired performance. I think they're going to play very well offensively which means Gallup and Wilson are going to produce. I think Gallup is a strong wide receiver two this week, and Wilson is a very viable wide receiver three. And would you, I know how much you like Tony Pollard, and next to you, um, it doesn't seem like I like Tony Pollard, but I've always been a big Tony Pollard fan. Uh, And But again, I don't want to try to overshadow your love of Tony Pollard. Would you start Tony Pollard as an RB3 on Thanksgiving? That was kind of my advice this past week. It's kind of what I thought he would be. And and I guess maybe he was that. I don't know how much we value nine fantasy points, but that's, that's about in the RB3 range. Problem is, he's still just not playing that many snaps. He had 33% of the snaps this past week in what was, I would call it mostly a competitive contest in the sense that like they weren't just benching st- starters because the game was out. Uh, so unfortunately, I don't think there's any move to use Pollard more. If, if not in a game where... Cooper and Lamb are out. When are they going to start using Pollard more? They didn't put him in the slot or anything like that. Uh, so I'm not going out of my way to start Pollard. But if I had to start him, I wouldn't feel terrible about it. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, well said. And the Raiders, who they're facing, they've lost three straight. Um, they're uh, possibly in a worse situation than the Saints. Uh, they just seem to be going backwards. Their defense is falling apart. Um, they're giving up 4.5 yards a carry. Uh, they're one of the league's worst in terms of being rushed on and yardage gained. Uh, uh, so this could be a case, uh, and I hate to say it like this, this could be a case where you do everything right and you start Michael Gallup and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard combined for four touchdowns. Or you do everything right and you start Zeke and uh, he gets 80 yards on 20 carries and two catches, but this is the Dak Prescott show with you know his remaining receivers. Don't Don't overthink it. Uh, uh, the, the idea here is there's still five guys on the table. Plus Dak Prescott, you've got Dalton. There's, there's sure always that variance. Well. Sorry. Go ahead. What's that? Let's say that there's always that variance in touchdowns of fantasy and who gets That's the yards right. with the touchdowns. It just is what it is. 
I think there's a general confidence if we can have consensus here that the Cowboys will probably put up 30 points uh, in a rebound game on Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe I don't, I'm speaking too much for Tommy on that. Cats, I think you agree with me. It's going to be a, a pretty comfortable uh, bounce back for the Cowboys against a, a reeling Raiders team. I'll speak for myself. How about the icy stares I'm getting from them right now suggest I'm going to speak for myself on this. Cowboys will put up points. We just don't know where they're coming from. And we're going to get back to In the Mood for Fantasy Football Podcast coming up here in just a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, let's tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of In the Mood for Fantasy Football. And that is our good friends over there at X Chair. And ladies and gentlemen, if you need an office chair that is super supportive of positive posture, something that's going to be super comfortable when you sit in it, not to mention, what if I told you they throw in a massager and a heating element to it that helps you stay loose while you're sitting down in the comfort of your own home or in the office x chair provides all that action for you and as somebody who has had a lot of issues with sciatica and lower back pain over time this has been something that has completely alleviated some of the pain that i've had x chair is game changing and it is the ultimate office chair that you need in order to feel comfortable sitting at home or at work and you can go to xchairpfn.com now that's letter x chair pfn.com or call one 844 for X Chair for $100 off your order. X Chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. X Chair, PFN.com. Uh, I want to shift gears right now to uh, AJ Brown, who I traded for on Saturday. He was my third, uh, uh, second player I'm going to mention who got hurt, um, got hurt twice, uh, went out questionable, came back, uh, knocked out again. Uh, uh, AJ Brown has just been up or down, uh, uh, this season. Uh, can anyone, uh, discuss cats? We'll go to you, AJ Brown. Uh, should we be concerned about him, uh, heading into next week? And if he does sit, if he's, he's having another MRI, as I understand it early this week, the early one looks promising, uh, but, but we don't know for sure. Uh, is there anyone else in Tennessee that we should pick up and start or is no one startable in Tennessee uh, without AJ Brown at this point? Man, I was fading AJ Brown so hard last season, and and I watched him play, and he just made a believer out of me. And now, well, here we are, a year later. I was all in on AJ Brown, and he's been a fantasy starter what twice, three times maybe, three, three yeah, times maybe. Three. Weeks yeah. weeks six through eight, he posted uh, sixteen fantasy points, twenty seven thirty one. Fantastic those weeks. Other than that you were mostly better off not having him in your lineup. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. I still think he's a talented player. Uh, if he can't play, we also saw Marcus Johnson pull up lane with a hamstring issue. Given how quickly he was ruled out, I don't see a world where he can recover in time for this week. That puts Nick Westbrook-Akine as the wide receiver one. And the wide receiver two would be either Chester Rogers Chester or Rogers. Des Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Uh, the only guy I'd be interested is is in Westbrook-Akine. I think he put up over 100 yards this past week. He was clearly the guy that Ryan Tannehill was looking for. It was also an anomalous game in that Tannehill threw over, over 50 times. We're not going to see that every week. Right. But you got seven catches on eight targets, 107 yards, 67% snap share. He's going to be the de facto wide receiver one if A.J. Brown doesn't play. So he's definitely worth picking up on the waiver wire to at least see what's going on there. Uh, and shifting gears, Tommy, to Michael Carter, uh, another player I lost in my starting lineup. Uh, this isn't just about me, but uh, but uh, I'm going to make it about me. Uh, Michael Carter uh, really primed for a huge game. Uh, he had, uh, what was it, nine carries for 63 yards and just seemed to be doing whatever he wanted to do. 
Um, he was a steal in the uh, in both the fantasy draft and more notably the real NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets have a solid core. Uh, Carter leads with an ankle injury. If he doesn't return for next week, do you think Tevin Coleman or Ty Johnson could be streamable? Or is this is this just a case where it's Michael Carter or bust in that backfield? Personally, I'll take Michael Carter or bust. Um, it's replacement level talent, even in a good situation, is still just replacement level talent. Uh, and it sucks in a matchup like this with the Houston Texans, which is a team we would kind of like to target. Um, but they actually look pretty good. Like they literally just knocked off the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much I want to mess with that team right now. If it's not Michael Carter, it's you kind of touched on it when we talk about like a great, it was a steal in fantasy drafts, but also in the NFL draft. Like in terms of scheme to player skill set, like he was arguably one of the best skill set matches of this entire draft to see one of the better wide zone style running running backs going to a team that wants to utilize that in terms of its, its blocking scheme and rushing style with the new offense that uh, LaFleur and, and uh, Sala brought over to the Jets. So I like Michael Carter. I think he's going to be a great player for the New York Jets, but if he's not on the field, I kind of want to stay away from this backfield. And uh, shifting uh, over to Logan Thomas, uh, what's his status, Cats? We haven't heard his name. We heard it a couple weeks ago, then we didn't. It looked like he might come back. He's, he didn't. Uh, Washington, uh, uh, you know, has been looking for uh, a competent number two or number three receiver um, and uh, haven't gotten it from the injured Curtis Samuel, haven't gotten it from the injured Diami Brown. Is Logan Thomas someone who fantasy managers need to make sure is rostered uh, in every league or is it too soon to say that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Logan Thomas could go back to being an every week mid tight end one down the stretch this past week we've seen all season the football team just uses their primary tight end as a near every down player last week rookie john bates played 99 percent of the offensive snaps now he only saw three targets but if logan thomas can return this week and the expectation is currently that he's going to they're going to start the clock this three-week clock to activate him from ir it's possible because they've been very cautious with him this hamstring injury has kept him out since week four is the last time he was on the field. It's been a long time. If he can come back, he'll be 100% healthy, and he's going to see that every down snap share again. We know he's talented. We know he can be a tight end one. If he's out there on your waiver wire, get him. Very good. And, Kat, sticking with you, uh, I wonder if you can share anything about the Eagles' backfield, which ran wild on what had been the top-run defense in the league, the Saints. Um, it shocked me. I think the Saints came in averaging 3.2 yards a carry against opposing running backs, and everyone had a field day. I went up against uh, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, so the field day uh, was on me, uh, and, and uh, it did not make me happy, but good for them. I'm glad they did well, and I mean that magnanimously. Uh, Jordan Howard leaves in the third quarter with a knee injury. Uh, Miles Sanders had fumbled earlier and for about 12, 15 game minutes had earned only one carry after that fumble. Then Howard gets hurt and Sanders finishes strong. If Howard sits, do you think this is still the Miles Sanders backfield? Or do you have any concerns about this being a, you know, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders kind of combination? And when Jordan Howard returns, just a muddled situation. 
I still think Miles Sanders is the lead guy. I, I've never been a proponent of the whole benching running backs for fumbling things. We don't bench quarterbacks for throwing interceptions, right, for one interception. We don't bench a receiver for dropping a pass. I don't understand the this the, the disdain. And it, like, like a fumble is the worst thing you could possibly do. Miles Sanders is, I mean, I, I've never been a fan of Miles Sanders, but he's still the Eagles guy. And if he's healthy, which he is, I expect him to lead that backfield in snaps. It should be around 60, 65%, I think. But without Jordan Howard, if he is out any extended period of time, I don't think the team likes Boston Scott as much as Howard anymore. And they certainly don't like Kenny Gainwell. Uh, so if Howard is missing time, that's probably a slight uh, uptick in Sanders' value. I would still feel comfortable starting Sanders going forward. He he actually he played very well this past week. He had uh, 94 yards and 16 carries. The unfortunate part is no usage in the passing game, but I do think that changes going forward. I still like Sanders the most. Very good. It's a fascinating uh, conversation starter there, Katz, on the uh, why do running backs get less leeway on the fumble versus uh, quarterbacks. And what it got me thinking about was, you know, quarterbacks are, are throwing, are averaging more yards per attempt uh, uh, on average, about double what a running back average is. Uh, you figure, you know, quarterbacks have more big play potential realistically than running backs. Um, you know, it's almost like quarterbacks are taking more risks. So you almost don't want to punish them for taking those risks. Whereas the running back's sole responsibility is, um, you know, find the hole or find the end and just hold onto the ball. It seems like it's, it's not fair but is there anything to say to that where it's not to make this into this philosophical discussion, but I'm curious, like, is it that running backs, it's just that that is the primary responsibility, get three to four yards and don't drop it. Whereas a quarterback has a lot of variations to work from and an interception might just be a risk worth taking. You can't apply that logic to passing being more uh, beneficial to the teams while these teams are all out there trying to establish the run there's it's unlikely they think that way i think it's just an old school mentality where they just don't like fumbles because when you have the ball you should keep it and when the ball's in the air sometimes it gets picked off and also you can't bench your quarterback for throwing a pick as Very coach Boone said if you drop this ball i will break my foot off in your john brown hind parts and you will run a mile you don't drop the football um, uh, Tommy loves uh, quoting people, and uh, and we just uh, got a uh, a rare glimpse of that in public. So thank you, Tommy, for uh, for reinforcing that. Tommy, because of that great impression, we're going to give you the last word. Rashad Penny, hamstring injury. I think there was a general consensus in this uh, chat room, we'll call it uh, uh, this podcast, that uh, Alex Collins is not the answer in Seattle, mm -hmm. and uh, that has borne out for several weeks. Uh, Rashard Penny and to a lesser extent DJ Dallas had been looming this whole time. Uh, the the hamstring injury to Rashard Penny might throw that into a loop uh, a little bit because now you're down to Travis Homer and DJ Dallas competing with Alex Collins. If Penny sits, is there any more confidence about starting Collins or is it kind of a next man up from the standpoint of behind Collins, you're still going to have Dallas and you're still going to have Homer and Collins is still capped? I mean, Rashard Penny being hurt should not shock anyone. Like uh, we talked about this earlier in the season when he was coming back off off of uh, IR. Like we haven't seen Rashad Penny healthy since 2018, so uh, this is really nothing new to see him getting hurt again. Uh, it's it's still the same thing for me. Like even though they don't have uh, Chris Carson, he's done for the season with the season in neck surgery. Like I'm, I just don't want much to do with this offense. 
uh, even into the backfield. Like I'll take my shot with yeah. DK with DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson yeah. in one QB leagues. I mean, even Tyler Lockett right now isn't even like a weekly. You don't feel good about him. I'll put it that way. You have the ceiling play, but you also know how bad his force. He's either a top seven wide receiver or he's forty eight or worse. Like it's one of the two. And to me, at least with the backfield, I know I'm not going to get good production, so I'm, I tend to just stay away from it. Very good. And two more things. Uh, one of our correspondents uh, named, uh, it says here, Tommy Garrett, uh, has uh, just shared with me over chat that uh, Jamal Agnew was placed on injured reserve. Um, he was one of those surprising, I think formerly of the Lions, uh, became a, a leading figure in the uh, upstart Jaguars offense. Upstart is the kindest way I can say it. Um, uh, get involved, a little more involved in the offense over the last week. Um, so that might have an impact. And also just important to mention that Jarvis Landry re-aggravated his knee injury. Uh, the Browns passing game is uh, in a world of hurt uh, and it is hard to put the blame on any one person. So I won't, uh, but there are plenty of reasons why this passing game is dysfunctional. And Jarvis Landry uh, was, seemed to be the, the one bright star in the wideout core um, with Donovan Peoples-Jones hurt. Someone who is a veteran, someone who is capable of catching passes, who had the experience of being uh, a, a playmaker. Uh, any kind of re-aggravation, any lost time for Jarvis, Andry, uh, Jarvis Landry, you know, if you're, if you're pushing Richard Higgins as the number one receiver in this offense, it just adds more credence to... Uh, you know, the uh, Cleveland running the ball 40 plus times in the next game. Uh, so, uh, or David Njoku and Austin Hooper getting more love. Um, uh, any final words, Katz and Tommy on the injury side, any burning things you want to bring up before we close for another episode? I'll just close with uh, piggybacking on your Browns wide receiver core. If Landry does miss time and DPJ can't play, there's no one to pick up here. Baker Mayfield has not eclipsed uh, 33 pass attempts in a single game this season. They just don't want to throw the ball. The answer to what happens if Jarvis doesn't play is just don't pick up anybody. Just, just let them be. Yeah, good call. Uh, 33 is is uh, usually an average for an average quarterback uh, in a game. Uh, and the fact that he hasn't eclipsed that, uh, it, it, will be, it will be very interesting to see how the Browns uh, and Seahawks change this offseason. Um, I can't wait. Um, uh, again, a big thanks to Tommy Garrett and Jason Katz, uh, our uh, fantasy analysts here at Pro Football Network. Uh, I'm BJ Rudell again. You can find us at profootballnetwork.com. Uh, we are real people. As you can hear, we have real teams. We have real needs to win. Uh, we are trying our best to follow the news, to make sense of the statistics, to research and create some sense of probabilities of things happening based on what has happened historically and what we think might happen going forward. So these are not just off-the-cuff statements. We really study this stuff. We try to bring you the most thoughtful analysis we can. We appreciate you listening. Keep in touch with us. We'll keep in touch with you, and we'll see you tomorrow.